Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Daniel, sometimes I think about going into like some sort of banter or like talking about something going on in the real world, but I I don't know. I, I just wanted to I, I've been glad to talk about Halloween kills this week when you when I sort of I think I just texted you and was like, You're already planning to see it. Do you want to talk about it? Cause because I said I saw the critic rating and I saw this on Peacock on the website, on the streaming site that is streaming it itself, and they were not hiding their own Rotten Tomato score, which on that day was 28% critic rating, or no, it was like 38% critic rating, 22% audience rating. This was like the day after I saw it in theaters. Then today, I just saw that it was still like 38% critic rating, and now it's at 70% audience rating. And when it comes to movies that are um, in terms of like, did you like it or did you not? That's sort of like f- film Twitter controversy stuff. I don't know. Why Why start with banter? Why start with nonsense? This is a movie that's somewhat interesting enough, I feel like, to just kind of get into it. Did you see Donald Trump's thing about Colin Powell? <laughs> I, I heard about it, but why are we going to talk about that? It's so <laughs> funny. Dude, I'm so glad he's not president anymore, so whenever we can go back to I just being love that like... at the end it was like, didn't he say like, rip? He was just well, like, said, rest in peace he anyway. Said, so anyway, may he rest in peace after spending <laughs> a paragraph talking yeah. about how he doesn't like Colin Powell. Michael Myers, a menace to society. The worst thing that's ever happened to Hed- Haddonfield. Anyways, rest in peace, Michael may, Myers. May he, may he rest in peace. May he rest yeah. in peace. Like, he, he that is literally what But I'm really trying to bring us back, man. I want to talk about Halloween kills. I don't know why. But like, I keep thinking about it. Not in a good sense. More in a just like, I had a fun time in the movies. I just saw Dune last night. And it was the exact opposite screening experience. Where when I saw Halloween Kills, everybody in the theater was engaged. was, Was interacting with the movie with like making noises like laughter at times not not at the movie but laughter like because you've just released tension or being scared and then i see dune and it's like the most like it's like i'm by myself even though i'm in a not even as packed theater as halloween kills so like i don't know i just love the movies and i love this disparity between the two experiences but i want to talk about halloween kills and so here we are uh dan do you want to introduce halloween kills or do you want me to introduce Halloween what kills. is there to introduce? Uh, Halloween Kills is the second in. I don't even know how we're. How we're? You could call it the third in the new canon. So there's the original canon. Then there's the H two O canon. Then there's the Rob Zombie series. Season of the Witch is its own thing. We do get a light reference to Season of the Witch in in Halloween Kills with some kids' costumes. If you recognize that, yes. And now we're here. Now we're 2018. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> At least with the Jason movies, they're all in the same canon, even though they don't make any sense. <laughs> Child's Play, every it's all canon. Jason Voorhees. Is it? Is Cult of Chucky still in the same canon? Yeah. As, 
the rest. What about the newest one? Is that it's also sort of in the same canon? So that's a, that's a new thing because there is dispute about who owns the rights to the name Child's Play and who owns the names the rights Chucky. Okay, right. Yeah. So it's totally different. But Halloween, this is a totally new canon. <laughs> so unlike Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, which have the decency to just, when they want to do something different, they just do a reboot. Halloween is that franchise that everyone keeps thinking because everyone agrees that the original Halloween story is a good to great story. Like, cause it's a simple premise. There's not much you need to do to adapt it to different eras and franchises. Like the premise of a guy in a mask is trying to kill someone. And the fact it takes place in a neighborhood where you're supposed to feel safe and everything's supposed to feel quaint and everyone in town knows each other and waves to each other as they, you know, walk to work or whatever in the middle of this, you know, urban safety, there's just one guy who watches you from the shadows. And in the case of Halloween, he's attacking a defenseless teenage girl who's just babysitting. That's a great premise for a horror story. And when you sprinkle on top, John Carpenter's craft, where he has the wonderful soundtrack, he has a good eye for framing a shot and he knows how to build tension. And even the fact that that movie was probably like 60 minutes long, but he wanted to get to 90 minutes. So he just let lingering shots stick around, just adds so much ominous like voyeurism to it. I always remember there's like a shot from behind Laurie Strode and her friends as they're walking to school. And then their conversation ends and they keep walking and the camera just stays there for like seven more seconds. And it's usually after like three seconds of a conversation ending that you're ready to see the cut to the next scene, but the scene doesn't cut. And so you start to feel like you're, it's almost like you're kind of experiencing what it's like to be Michael, just like looking at people (laughs) and freaking them out. Yeah. You feel like you're intruding on them. Yeah. And so it adds a lot, even though it's really incidental, like it was not it was just, oh, we got to hit 90 minutes. Uh, we didn't shoot anymore. I guess we'll just <laughs> use this shot and just really stretch it out, uh, which is just some really good stuff. Yeah. And it also creates a, like it does a good job recreating the feeling of when you're a kid alone at home where you will if you if you hear a noise and you stare out the window, you'll stare out the window a little too long and then your imagination starts to take over. Or yeah. when you hear a noise, you start thinking someone's in the house and your brain starts going and running and you start picturing all kinds of horrible things in Halloween. The first, the original Halloween does a great job of capitalizing on that feeling and then paying it off by having a guy with a knife run in and murder your friends. Stab you. Yeah. And <laughs> so universally we've all accepted that's a great movie. And for whatever reason, everyone who's ever had the reins of the franchise or has gotten the green light to make a sequel they don't seem to know what to do with the franchise. They either think they need, they overthink it. The original Halloween franchise, as everyone knows, eventually devolved in nonsense where there's some sort of like druid cult that uses Michael Myers to ensure a good harvest by killing people or something, which doesn't make any sense <laughs> if you think about it <laughs> yeah, for more than five yeah. seconds. And so everyone's like, well, that's stupid. And so they decided to do H2O where they had the idea of like, what if we brought back Laurie Strode to finally kill Michael Myers? And then, oh, no, that movie made money. So we need to come up with a reason for the franchise to keep going. And that sputters out and he fights Busta Rhymes at some point. And then you have Rob Zombie gets to do his own thing. And he, by Halloween 2, he's doing what is essentially almost an art house film, which is great. Yeah. But maybe not what some fans want. I've heard a lot of people really look back to Rob Zombie's stuff and 
just love them. I've thought of checking them out. I've, I, you could call it breaking my content fast of not watching films with nudity. And I'm like, Rob <laughs> man, Zombie oh man, ones. Rob Zombie's a good way to break that fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, uh, don't, I will never watch Lords of Chaos, but, uh, or what is it? Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem. I think Salem. that one. Yeah. I'll never check that one out. But, um, Weird but movie. the Rob Zombie ones, I've heard a lot of people say, like, man, they work out well. Danny Trejo actually kills it and all this stuff. And, um, so I've been meaning to, maybe check those ones out but yeah i know that the second one's supposed to just be like really like bizarre of his of his adaption yeah because i mean a problem we'll get into in this movie is that michael myers is not a supernatural character what makes him scary is that he's just a normal guy just void of conscience and reason when you look in his eyes you see darkness etc and so we'll get into that in a second but uh so but so everyone's just everyone keeps hitting the button of like okay we'll keep the first halloween movie because that one's good but we want to make more of these and so david gordon green just made a direct sequel to the original halloween which i quite enjoyed i like the angle of bringing back the original actors including nick castle to play in some scenes uh, michael myers aka the shape did nick castle play the shape in in kills are you, or are you talking he, about 2018? In both. In both, he comes back for scenes where he's not wearing the mask. Spoilers. And he does the breathing sounds that you hear throughout the movie. That's Nick oh, Castle. Oh, cool. And then nice. there's another guy whose name I don't know off the top of my head, who yeah, for most of the movie. someone who performs. Yeah. He does. You know, he, they put a stunt man in the suit, which is tradi- as is tradition. And the original movie had hit two things I thought were really smart. The first is. They acknowledge the fact that now we live in an era where we kind of love these characters more than maybe we should. So they include the angle of there's like a true crime podcast that wants to go interview Michael Myers and that sort of leads to the events that lead him to getting out. And the acknowledgement that the events of a of a movie like Halloween inflicted on a real human being would do horrible psychological damage. And so Laurie Strode as doomsday prepper, just waiting for Michael Myers to come back one day. Yeah, borderline home alone for the 2018 film. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin just, just gone too yeah. far. <laughs> and yeah, slashed whatever, if, in case anyone saw Rambo 5, the end of that movie. And so it's ruined her relationship with her daughter. She's had there's this generational like trauma that's gone down throughout the family. And then she's weirdly vindicated and is kind of strangely happy that Michael Myers gets out. And the movie has a great ending where all three generations of Strode women come together to just murder Michael Myers. They stab him a whole bunch <laughs> yes. and they blow him up in the house and they weren't sure if they're going to get a sequel. So they left it open-ended in a way that I find totally fine for a horror film where you can just believe he's dead if you want, or you can believe that he escapes and, but the story comes to an end and then the movie was really successful. And so now we have a sequel with David Gordon Green and Dan McBride back as the writing producing. John Carpenter has an executive producer role, slashes one third of the the people making the soundtrack. I'm not sure how involved he was or if they're just crediting him because they're using his old music. I think in 2018, he did the soundtrack entirely, him and his son. And then I think in this one, they probably did the same. I would assume they did the same thing. Who knows how that works? Maybe there's like separate or maybe they're even crediting someone with finding songs for soundtrack i don't know but like, he's he's back on board and he's involved and you could hear it his music really elevates the movie and even this one was partially produced by jason uh, blum <laughs> jamie lee curtis jamie lee curtis oh, well yeah it's cool. a blumhouse picture but jamie yeah. lee curtis helped produce it which you can definitely get when you watch the movie uh because it gets onto a soapbox at some point and <laughs> jamie lee curtis is the soapbox but 
We'll get into that later. Her role in this movie is so strange it's for very so strange. many reasons. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Hey, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know this Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. So now we're, I guess Halloween Kills, though. Where where are we with Halloween Kills? It is. It begins at the literal end of the last movie, where the house is on fire, and the Strode family is driving away as firefighters drive to the scene of the burning building. However, we also go to flashbacks because they're introducing a new cop character to kind of be one of the main characters in the movie, where we see that the night of the events of the original. I Halloween, think he was in 2018, though. He's in 2018. I don't know if when I say new, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm saying I don't think he's in the 78. Yeah, he's not in the 78. I think he's in 2018. And I think he has somewhat of a role like connected to Laurie Strode. They just kind of expand on his character in this sequel pretty much right from the get go by giving you a flashback. So we, we go back to the, the events of the original the original night and Two cops are chasing down uh, Mr. Mr. Myers, Michael Myers, who <laughs> <laughs> one of them is Jim Cummings, I think, from Thunder Road. Oh, that Jim Cummings, yeah, yeah. Initially, I thought it was going to be Jim Cummings, the guy who's Winnie the Pooh, and I was no. stoked. I was like, yes, the greatest <laughs> of voice actor of all time. And I was like, oh no, it's a different guy. Uh, not the right one. And they they have a standoff, and Michael Myers says a cop. Uh, in a like a rear naked choke, and the, another cop's putting a gun at him, and he tries to shoot Michael Myers, just shoots his friend, and it leads to a life of regret where he blames himself for all subsequent Halloween events. And so we see him in the in the present tense, and then we cut to a bar where there's like a reunion of all of the actors who agreed to return for previous Halloween movies. So you have. Three people who legitimately are reprising their roles for previous Halloween films who, Lord forgive me, I don't remember any of their names. It's not really that important. But the important one is that I keep calling him C. Thomas Howell, and that's not the actor. Uh, it is Anthony Michael Hall. Sorry. He is Tommy Doyle. He is playing the role of Tommy Doyle, which 
real fans will know that Paul Rudd played Tommy Doyle in Halloween four or five, and he actually was asked to come back for this movie, which would have been awesome. Paul Rudd. Yes. Paul Rudd was asked to come back. He could not because he was filming the new Ghostbusters movie. Dang. So he could not reprise his role as Tommy Doyle, which would have been great. Not just because he, as, I mean, I know the joke is that Paul Rudd is an age, but he legitimately does not look that much older, uh, depending on how the the makeup is on him than he did when he was in when he was Tommy Doyle in the Halloween movies. Yeah. So instead, we get Anthony Michael Hall, who's playing a grown up Tommy Doyle. Admittedly, he looks more like the kid in the nineteen seventy eight Halloween film, and they're just talking, they're reminiscing, and he's doing like a spoken word uh, performance about what it was like to face Michael Myers, and then. Suddenly, Michael Myers shows up and horrifically murders an interracial couple in a scene that's actually more brutal than I expected it to be for the movie. It's horrific and violent. He murders someone with a broken light tube and it's getting deathmatch wrestling flashbacks and it's graphic. Or drive. It's like drive. Or drive uh, with the splatter. <laughs> and yeah. thus goes, uh, thus kicks off the events of the movie. The Strodes are taken to the hospital. A band forms together of people who want to finally kill Michael Myers for goods for real seas this time and then michael myers goes around killing people and michael myers is just an unstoppable unflappable unfeeling killing machine or his brain only works on two levels which is he thinks about killing and he thinks about ways to kill even better and in ways occasionally they're dramatically ironic and that's just the movie and and we're not going to get into spoilers in this section and it's, that's just the movie for a bit where it's just he's killing people. People are going, we got to stop this Michael Myers guy. And he keeps killing. And occasionally characters will talk about the franchise of Halloween slash the nature of fear. And <laughs> in the last 30 minutes or so, the movie takes some really strange turns that yes. I'm, I'm sure partially why critics don't like this movie and will yes. really divide audiences. And not to spoil anything, but they simultaneously shot a third movie while shooting this one. So yes, there's yeah. going to be another one. Uh, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> so. Halloween ends. Oh, and can I read to you the letterbox description for what Halloween ends is going to be? Cause it's awesome. It's okay. not, it's totally can't be true. I'm positive. Someone went to the movie databases. Um, so uh, letterbox takes the API from the movie database. Dang it, man. I should have saved it. It was so funny. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was somebody had, uh, I knew someone was going to edit it back, but it was basically the saga of Michael Myers, Laurie Strode comes to a spine chilling climax in the final installment of the franchise. And then it continued to say five years after the events of the Michael Myers kills of 2018 and after the COVID-19 pandemic, <laughs> Michael Myers is back to kill those who survived. <laughs> and it was just like, it was people in the comments because people, people will do like pre-reviews just so they can put comments out down and everything. And people are like, Oh dear God, please don't be that. Like, please don't do that at all. And since a lot of people on Letterboxd are like, like it's not getting as good ratings of the, 2018 one people were like believing like yeah david gordon green would do it <laughs> he would definitely do it it was awesome but <laughs> we're talking about halloween kills not halloween ends which doesn't exist right now uh and let's be real we'll probably take place exactly after the events of halloween kills i'm sure this will all take place uh on the same exact day but daniel what what, what did you think about halloween kills <laughs> so uh <laughs> So I did. You said you liked 2018. Why did you like 2018? I quite like 2018 uh, or 2019. Sorry, I think it's. I keep saying 2018. I believe it was in 2019. Uh, I liked it because it 2018. I it it wasn't a you know I 
I I I enjoy when I enjoy when franchises take established norms and use them to shine a new light upon a story that we're familiar with. And I like I think there's something interesting about exploring like I like exploring the real life potential fallout from something like this. Uh, there's a comic out right now called Maniac of New York, which explores what would happen if a Jason Voorhees type character legitimately started murdering in New York. Like what would the like political implications of this be? How would the city react to it? Because they treat it like a natural disaster. You know, are they just going to tell people to take alternate routes to work and to home to avoid the Jason guy walking around? Like, what are we going to do? And I think ha- Halloween, the third movie named Halloween, does this in an interesting way where we get to sort of see the actual effects of what this would do to somebody. We get to look at the way it affects people's families, the way they treat one another. And then we also, if I'm being honest, as a horror fan, I like watching a guy in a mask stab people in interesting ways. And (laughs) I thought that the way they did it was really interesting. I like the mixture of taking the material seriously, but still having fun on occasion. I thought it was nice to get some closure on the franchise to finally put an end to this stupid thing. How dumb was I to think that, that they would finally end the whole thing? Yeah, I think even before the movie came out, there was semi-plans to do yes. a trilogy. It was just this movie I, has to do well before we do that. I was hoping it would not be true. I was <laughs> hoping that... Yeah, so I mean, it's one of those movies where it didn't blow me away or anything, but it did everything it was supposed to correctly. I was satisfied with what it was. It didn't, you know, it wasn't, it didn't transcend the genre, so quote unquote, it just did the genre really well. Uh, where Halloween Kills, where it's sort of, so initially for the first like 20 or 30 minutes, I was totally on board. I liked the really brutal murder at the beginning, like the way it was done. I thought it, it was flashy and cinematic. And I also like that they seem to be leaning into the idea that Michael Myers is not a sympathetic anti-hero type character. He is evil. It is not good that people seem to really like Michael Myers as a character because usually the excuse in something like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street is, well, they're the only character. The few recurring characters we have either get murdered or they're terrible or they're thinly written. But here, Laurie Strode and her family are all characters. They're all fully realized. We've had decades to get to know them. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Judy Greer, they're all great actors. And there's like really no reason why you should cheer for Michael Myers in these types of movies. And so I liked that they're seeming to be leaning into the fact that like, hey, this guy isn't just killing people. He is hurting people and he's hurting a whole community. And so the idea that right. Michael Myers is a shared point of trauma for a community who is now finally going to just take up arms and just going to murder Michael Myers together as they all join hands and come to like the New Yorker is in Spider-Man. We're going to murder Michael Myers. I was totally on board with that. And first they introduced one rogue element, which is that there were two escape mental patients. And so early on in the movie, there's an incident that people think is Michael Myers, but actually it was the other escape mental patient. So I was like, okay, maybe they're going to do a thing where they're chasing who they think is Michael, but actually they're chasing this other guy. And that's what allows Michael Myers to eventually get to the hospital and attack Laurie Strode. And we'll have some sort of, they'll have a standoff there and it'll end ambiguously to lead to a third movie while all the other characters to deal with the fact that their shared hysteria has caused an innocent person to die. And they actually kind of do that in like the worst possible way. But overall, the movie just somewhere along the line just lost me. And there was, there was enough stuff in there to keep me entertained where there was there there is a standout group of characters 
which I won't mention here, but we'll save that for the second part that kept me entertained. Big John, Big John, Little, Little John, John, the best yeah, characters. They're great. The best characters of the whole movie. Love them. Uh, my wife and I have been talking about them ever since we watched it. They're awesome. But it, it's I, it's one of those movies where I was entertained enough where I didn't want to turn the movie off. But by the end, I was just shaking my head going, what happened here? It really felt like someone was like, we need to really lean into what Halloween's about. We need to elevate it. This isn't just a slasher movie. But again, you can't really do that with Michael Myers without making everything stupid because Michael Myers is not an ended zombie from the lake. He's not a nightmare monster. He's not a personification of gentrification and ra- racial violence. He's just a guy <laughs> yeah. in a mask who kills people. He kills people. And Sad. if he personifies anything, he personifies the creepy guy down the street, even though you feel safe for your neighborhood, he's still there and they just totally lose the plot and they just, they fumble the ball at the finish line. In my opinion, I was really disappointed by this movie because it took itself too seriously to become campy, stupid fun, except when it is campy, stupid fun. And then I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to feel like following the brutal murder of the first couple that Michael Myers comes across. There's just a hard cut to a guy doing a ventriloquist act and that's kind of the whole movie where it's just, what am I supposed to be feeling? Why do you want me to feel this way? The kills are great. The acting is good sometimes. And Big John and Little John should get Best Supporting Actor nods. Yeah, they were great. They were very fun. One of whom is Michael McDonald from Mad TV. I don't know. I was very disappointed by the movie. My wife enjoyed it because she was like, oh, come on. It's a lot of fun. And I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fun, but it's... <laughs> Could have been more fun. So wow, that's how I feel. I get, the imp- I get the impression that you thought it was more fun because you you texted me and told me this movie was really silly. So. Yeah, it is so silly. It's like I I I had a really good time. I'm even repping. You made a dig at people who like Michael. I'm, I'm wearing. I'm I'm lifting my shirt for Daniel right now. I'm wearing. A- <laughs> I don't think there's something wrong with liking him as like the way you like a franchise character. I'm saying people are like. Michael Myers is the hero of a story type of no, thing. No, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> I am wearing a Michael Myers t-shirt right now. I bought two more. I might buy some Halloween PJs. <laughs> he's giving one to week. all of his relatives on Christmas <laughs> this year. And my coworker even said the one I'm wearing right now, Michael Myers doesn't look scary. He looks like he's contemplating existence, which is possible after his critic score. You just saw it and he's like, oh man, I really got to beef up my kills next movie. No, I, in, in fact, even um, getting out of the theater, Cinema Score was at my theaters, which, if fan people of mo- movie f- people know, Cinema Score is like an, a very long running uh, rating system where basically people vol- just volunteer to ask people as they come out of theaters, what did you think of the movie? A through F, and you tell them. And uh, when I got out, I was like, oh, heck yeah, it was an A. I had a really fun time. This was, <laughs> this was a fun time. And yeah, there were silly parts. I think we both can agree. There's a part where it was like, you just check out. You're like, this is dumb. Let's get back to the fun stuff. And uh, But then sh- Catherine, Catherine was like, I got to be honest. I got to give it a C. And then we were on our way. That was it. But I had a really good time. Uh, even I, I think the reason I asked you about 2018 was because I sort of feel like this movie I think David Gordon Green wants to make Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends the Lord of the Rings of October movies, where you just watch all three one after another, or at the very least, Halloween, then Halloween, then Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends, which I don't know if anyone's going to do. 
but crazier things have happened. I know people who have just binged every Friday the 13th um, in a few days. So I know I kind of did. So, uh, so, so I feel like Halloween Kills sort of comes off the coattails of Halloween, where Halloween is what's the, tra- the trauma that took place to Sh- Laurie Strode and how has it affected her family? And then Halloween Kills is, okay, but what about the trauma of Haddonfield and carrying into that? And I'm sure that you were picking up on that too. And that's why you like the first 20 to 30 minutes is because it's setting up a lot of that. And then it sort of does stuff <laughs> with that. Um, man, oh man, does it lose its way? Does, does stuff. Um, and but but like I don't know. I was all for it. I was just into it. I had a good time with it. I like the direction it went. I don't like the soapbox at the end because I think it sort of falls apart. I think I think I need to see Halloween ends to feel better about it. Cause I did not, I really wasn't into Halloween 2018. I thought it was kind of boring. My review for it is less than like a hundred words. And I, a part of them are just saying snooze meter five yawns. Like I found it very boring and not interesting. Although I might, if I were to rewatch it now, I might enjoy it more because I think Halloween and Halloween kills come together really well. When I think about Halloween 2018, I have to rewatch it, but I feel like, if I watch them back to back, it would really fit together well. And the reason I say I feel like I need to watch Halloween ends to feel better, maybe even about this one is because the movie spends too much time trying to learn, figure out Michael, which seems to be the curse of Halloween movies, because it sounds like that's where Halloween two went wrong. Whenever I read about it, I haven't watched it. When you're describing Michael becoming sort of a conduit for a bunch of druids, it's like, well, that just makes it worse. (laughs) Michael is just a killing machine. And I feel like everybody knows that except for the people who make his movies. And I want to see Halloween ends maybe just do that because I think when Halloween kills is trying to be people trying to figure out who he is. Michael just shows up and kills them as if to, sh- to prove to him, like as if to prove to them, you're wrong. Like I'm just a murdering machine. Like that's all I am. And not just that. He's also like a cynical murdering machine. Cause he also will prop people up in dumb ways after he's killed them. I mean, part of what makes Halloween, we, we haven't brought this up, but what makes Halloween one so scary, the original is that he not just kills people and then just moves on. But he also takes the time to take Judith Myers, his sister's tombstone, and put it into another stranger's home just to put it there to scare someone who's never known Judith Myers. So it's just like Michael is really weird. He, he has this <laughs> like, like he has a mean streak, which I actually that's one thing I like about this movie. Yeah, is they showcase his mean streak. Like he doesn't. He's just, very nasty. He, yeah, he, he's a very nasty he, guy. He like incapacitates one woman and sits her down in a room so she can watch him stab her husband over and over again. Who's already dead. Like he's yes. already basically dead. It's just I'm <laughs> gonna just just doing that to bother <laughs> her. Like yeah. <laughs> Catherine said, I think it was him trying to figure out which weapon do I like? Oh, I don't He's like this one. Them. And he He's gets rid of it. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I I feel like this movie feels like it's, we'll have to wait and see. I'll eat my words. If it turns out Halloween ends just sucks. And it was more David Gordon Green just being like, who is Michael? Let's try and figure it out, please. Let's do it. And know, it just sucks. Yeah. But if it, like in Halloween ends, it's like, no, Michael's just a killing machine. And Laurie Strode, you're going to die and whatever. Because even there's apparently an interview with Jamie Lee Curtis where she says uh, people are 
are going to get mad with Halloween ends, which is never a good idea. Like Jamie Lee Curtis, what are you <laughs> saying? Like, don't, don't do that. Especially, do you not she, see the critical? She rating? marries <laughs> Michael Myers, <laughs> yeah. you know, she starts killing people. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, it's a mess, but, um, but that's why, that's why this movie's kind of silly, but also like, like I was describing at the beginning, like, I had a good time in the theater with this because it was fun listening to the people around me react to the movie, laughing because of tension release or getting disgusted because of what's happening. Like a dude gets stabbed in the face and then his eyeball sort of like slides down a knife. Like that's disgusting, but like, awesome. This is the magic of movies. Like this is, this is what I love about this not being real. So I love about our Christian movie podcast. <laughs> Yeah, but like it's you go to the movies for awe-inspiring things. And that's why like with Dune even, Denis Villeneuve is an awe-inspiring director. So it makes sense that Dune is awe-inspiring, but it produced the same exact emotions as like Halloween Kills at times because it's they're showing me things that I'll never see in real life. And I'm totally safe because I'm sitting in a Dolby theater. I've used AMC Stubbs A-list, so it's practically free for me. And I'm very comfortable cuddling with my wife. So I'm going to have a good time. I stepped out of the theater cinema score. It's an A like I'm totally fine with it. And uh, yeah, so like I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, remember that when we start talking about the specifics of the movie where <laughs> it gets really silly and stupid and preachy and soapboxy and dumb and Jamie Lee Curtis gets a paycheck to lay in a bed the whole movie. So it's like, <laughs> it's just, it's so silly. It's dude. like, I'll <laughs> film two movies back to back, but <laughs> yeah, like you mean, I just get to basically lay here the whole time and act like I'm injured. Sure. It is that not like counting the opening of the movie where she is uh, in the back of that truck acting her heart out. Yeah. She doesn't say a line. Yeah. Till 50 minutes into the movie. And she doesn't really get to do anything like she doesn't perform. At one point, she punches a guy and then she's like, oh, no, my sternum. That's right. I got stabbed in the last movie. And so then she, that's it. She doesn't do anything else, which my wife was like, that was sick. But too bad we didn't get to see more of that. But I guess we'd have to rewatch 2018 to see more of that. So I don't know. I I I have a running theory. And it's that if you watch these back to back, I think they're probably going to work a lot better. But that's that. Uh, the last thing before going into spoilers is there's been discourse and even letterbox reviews talking about, I can't believe, um, and you could call this quote unquote spoilers. Cause it's the equivalent of Han Solo showing up in episode seven and everyone screaming and pooping their pants. Oh my gosh, it's him again. I remember him in Halloween kills. Somebody is Dr. Loomis. Dr. Loomis shows up, which we all know Donald Pleasance is not on this earth anymore. And, uh, cause he's gone away on with earth the aliens. Oh. Yeah. He's on earth too. And uh, people were like, oh, they I can't believe they CG'd him in. I can't believe they brought him back just to do that. This is so annoying that Hollywood's doing it. They didn't, though. That's an actor. They did not. They did not. It's an actor who is wearing a prosthetic. And then they had a voice actor who performed tapes of Loomis in Halloween 2018 come back to perform his voice in this. And that is the way to do it. <laughs> that is the way to, quote unquote, resurrected, resurrect an actor. But not even that. You're just performing a character in a story and guess what it looks really good i actually got home from work and i started halloween kills again because i wanted to when i got to the theater i was like a minute or two late so i thought i missed some scenes turns out i didn't and then i was like <laughs> i'll just watch it until we record again and like it looks great it looks really good um the loomis in this looks really really good for basically having to do prosthetics lighting and another voice so 
I love that. That's good. Give me more of that. Don't give me this Luke Skywalker CG face or, oh my gosh, I was telling Kat about Rogue One. Carrie Fisher is so bad. Which is super weird because Bark Hamill did the acting for Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian. I mean, I guess that's kind of spoilers, but that's man, right. He did. You've yeah. had a lot of time to watch Mandalorian. Whatever. Everybody knows. <laughs> you all know. So Come he on. was on <laughs> set. He did the acting and then they de-aged him in such a way that it looked like they just put his face on another actor, which something went horribly wrong there because they went and got Luke Skywalker to show up and act and everything. So they couldn't just tell him to shave and like put some prosthetics on him. I mean, you were just talking about it with Paul Rudd where just put some prosthetics on and make him look younger if you want to bring him back for this. And then of course they couldn't, but, but like they do this with other actors like Samuel Jackson got de-aging stuff. Yeah. He looked good. The entire Irishman. I talked to Kat about yeah. the Irishman. I was like in Irishman, it's almost de-aging the whole time, but it's like the best technology for de-aging you'll ever yeah, seen. It looks good in the Irishman. And it looks really good there. And so, it, but, but this is better. I frankly like the prosthetics and having a voice actor come in. I just, it felt better. And then I also just like other actors interpretations of characters. And so even if they just had a guy dress up as Loomis and it wasn't even prosthetics, I would have been fine with that. But the fact that it's also a performer saying, how would Donald Pleasance perform the character? It doesn't feel, well, actually, it doesn't feel like that many degrees. It just feels like an actor saying, I'll be Dr. Loomis in this scene. Because he moves that way, his coat flying in the wind as he's like, did Michael kill again? I'm like, this is great. I love this. This is awesome. The real power move would have they got Malcolm McDowell from the Rob Zombie movies to just play Loomis with like no explanation. <laughs> so like I would have freaked out. Like, yeah. It blows everyone's mind. They got everybody, uh, all these legend. Uh, what is it called? Not legendary actors. It's uh, it's um, they have legacy actors, but then they're crossing in different movies from the franchise, like different canon. Yeah, Buster Rhymes from <laughs> like Halloween, like the Curse of Michael Myers. Like Buster Rhymes comes back, is <laughs> like round two, and he's just attacking Michael Myers with the shovel again. Be awesome. Now he was one of the firemen. <laughs> he was oh, the fireman okay. holding the hose. Don't you remember? <laughs> I gotta say that was a pretty amazing scene when, when Michael Myers just murders all those firefighters. It looks great. It's so cool. It was pretty violent. He chained he like not he buzzsaws a guy in the face. It is what we all base it's what people really wanted to see, I think, with the movie. Because the the trailer, because let's be real, part of the disappointment is the trailer. The trailer made it look like what this movie was gonna be was tons of people. We would get constant action horror set pieces of Michael being in an area and a, a group of six people fighting Michael Myers. So you get the Boy Scouts in one scene because in 2018, he kills a child anyway. So, but he doesn't in this one, I guess. So, I don't know. So you have the Boy Scouts fighting against it. Ah, it didn't work. He did kill a kid. He kills a kid off screen because the kids are like, That's right. Oh, You're right. Yeah. He does. That's a freaky scene. I thought that was effective. That stuff's good. Like, because where Michael Myers is genuinely terrifying, and you realize that this dude has no soul, he has no conscience, no filter, he will kill anything. But also, he he sometimes won't kill everybody. He's like a velociraptor. He just he kills based on body heat. It seems like you know. Sometimes he it's it's like because he doesn't kill the kid in the flashback, but and that doesn't. And it makes sense. It doesn't feel like it doesn't make sense because that's one of the big problems with a lot of horror movies is if you get to the point where it doesn't make sense for your, for someone to not die, then it it tears it down. So the fact that Michael wouldn't kill someone, kill a child in a flashback, but would kill someone later, 
adds to more mystery and adds to more stop trying to figure out what Michael Myers is. You're ruining the franchise. But yeah, I I guess I bring that up because I've seen some criticism that the movie is not scary. And I don't think that's true. I thought the movie was effectively scary. I thought it was thrilling, at least. And that's all I ask for when I go see a movie anyway. Yeah, well, I, ne- I never yeah, I never thought it was scary, but it was constantly engaging. For me, the the engagement came from partially just being like, I wonder how far Michael's going to go because he keeps he seems to just like keep escalating in terms of not just like who he's killing, but the way he's killing people. He seems to just like be getting more violent as the movie goes on, which is hard to sort of explain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people said this was way more violent than not just 2018, but a lot of the rest of the franchise. Well, I mean, if I thought was interesting, I think that's a weird if you're going to a Halloween movie and you're like, oh, man, I didn't expect that. Oh, not, much. Criti- not in a criticism, by the way, oh. more in like, <laughs> just like, oh, it's just really violent. Well, I because I saw that I saw some people complain that the movie was uncomfortably violent at times and just like, well, I don't know what you thought the movie was going to be like. It's not like the movie, the franchise is was famously pacifist in its attitudes and you know all the killings left to the imagination you know halloween yeah. is the og slasher movie not counting you know whatever is peeping tom what are those movies not are? proto slashers like black christmas texas chainsaw you know, the jalo movies down the dreaded sun down psycho stuff like that yeah i am a, an encyclopedia oh are you <laughs> we are val we are validated by the fact that we know movies listen to our podcast Thank you. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, to 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 sort of sum up my feelings before we get into the deeper discussion, which, believe it or not, we haven't, <laughs> we actually have not touched upon quite a bit of things after this movie. Which say what you will about the movie, myself included, who didn't particularly care for it. A lot of stuff happens. I'll say that for the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. stuff happens. I don't know if it's all good stuff, but there's definitely things on screen that take place. But if you have a Peacock subscription, which I sort of do because it came came with my cable package. If you have Xfinity or um, I don't know if they have another name, but it's called Cox. It's with an X. So take it as you will. Don't be embarrassed because at least you're getting an ISP. But apparently, yeah, out of the two, you already have Peacock. If you didn't know that already. Yeah. You just if you just go to the website, I think the ISP recognizes it and it's just you can just watch stuff. I don't know if it's premium, uh, which means no ads, but you already have it. So. Could you imagine watching this and then like an ad cuts in <laughs> like yeah. just people for like a woman's a, a wife who's laying on the ground with like a uh, glass in her neck watching her husband get stabbed. Michael walks out the room and then it's just like a SpaghettiOs commercial. <laughs> just cuts <laughs> in. <laughs> Don't have time to cook dinner tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I don't understand streaming anymore, man. Commercials are just <laughs> commercials are dead. This is the worst. I was watching when I watched Sinister last year for the podcast. I watched it on Peacock and it was with ads and it was like cutting in with ads. And I'm like, this movie's like has many snuff films in it. Are you sure you want to advertise Charmin to me right now? Like, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> I don't know if those are based entirely just on what you're watching or also the times you're watching because I know the advertisers will buy. So, like, if you're watching TV at, like, 2 p.m., there's going to be a lot of ads aimed at, like, parents, specifically stay-at-home moms, because they're assuming that's who's watching, even regardless right. of what is on. So, I wonder if that's what happens. If you watch Fox News, all you get is buy gold, 
<laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, here's you need a catheter because your sex drive is going down because <laughs> you're not a beta male. <laughs> like, well, okay. they also just assume <laughs> in general that if you're one of the only people who watches cable news, regardless of what probably political leaning it is, you're an old person. <laughs> which I know because the only people I know who watch cable news are old. <laughs> so if you if you if you get a cable package, it comes with a free catheter. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't come with like a manual about like assisted living homes or something. <laughs> thinking about the next step you know dude cable companies if they want to stay alive they have to start doing partnerships with like um old people homes it's like exorbitant prices it's it's the ex- oh do you have social security oh i just your rate just went up i'm so sorry <laughs> just uh occasionally even as it just cuts to like a screen that says don't you wish your grandkids would text you once in a while <laughs> And you're just like, yeah, you, you got me, Cable. Yeah, they're selling you jitterbugs. They're <laughs> yeah, selling jitterbug. you the jitterbug phone. It's just massive buttons. No cutesy symbols, no flashing lights. <laughs> <laughs> what point was I trying to make? I will say that if you're somebody who watches a lot of horror films, you're used to a lot of stuff that's not very good, <laughs> to be quite honest. Like if yeah. you're watching like, you know, the Killjoy 3 or something, Halloween Kills is definitely a cut above pun fully intended uh a lot of other horror movies like especially the slasher genre like if you're used to just if you just want to see a guy with a weapon of some kind just murder people halloween kills delivers on that front and does have a few marks of quality above a lot of other horror films not just because it's very well cast and well directed but the soundtrack is great uh there's a lot there is a lot of interesting stuff to look at on screen for the most part i mean it's not like it's well shot popping but it's well shot you know there's some there's some weird cinematography probably both for the first 10 15 minutes and the last five minutes (laughs) the cinematography is a little strange but everything in between which is about an hour (laughs) and 20 minutes it's well shot and rational i'll call it um but i don't know some of the shots are dumb man yeah so i i was not a fan i don't think it's not the worst movie i've ever seen or anything but if you're if you're a fan of it's not if you're a fan of the halloween franchise it's not even like the bottom of the like it's definitely in the middle quality wise for me i i'm a fan of the rob zombie ones and obviously the original is up there as number one probably and I think that the first David Gordon Green one's better, but it's better than Halloween five or Halloween resurrection or Halloween four. Really? It's, it's a better than a lot of the other Halloween movies. So maybe I'm just being a little snobby, but so that's just, that's just my opinion on it. And I say it's a good time. Definitely one of those, get some popcorn cut up with your significant other. It's but Halloween kills is, is a fun time. And uh, so if you're if you're okay with some pretty gratuitous violence, because it is pretty, it's it's tough yeah. sometimes, um, but still kind of a fun time. Then I think then I think it's worth it. And I think it's a promise. I think it's one of those movies where it's like David Gordon Green is saying like, hold on, like wait till the next movie. Um, and, and yeah, I might, I might, you know, you might dance on my grave like, haha, Halloween end sucks. <laughs> you were wrong, Melvin. This is <laughs> all six hours of these movies wasn't worth it. But I think uh, I think it's a movie that if you see now, you'll it, it may pay off with the next one. But I guess we'll have to wait and see till next year and see what happens when Halloween ends. But uh, Dan, I guess we should get into the more specifics of it, which frankly is um, apart from the broad slasher stuff we talked about, the the specifics of this movie that are what makes it controversial for critics 
and early on for audience is somewhat more interesting or it's a very different discussion, frankly, um, to have about this movie. Do you want to kick that off? Because you've probably seen a lot more than me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So there Do are people hate this movie, Daniel, because I don't know. Like, so there is there's always going to be there's always discussion about critics versus audiences when it comes to horror films uh, for a variety of reasons. I think it's dissipating as time goes on because, you know, back in the day, horror was seen as a less than genre or it was just seen as cheap tawdry thrills and chills where they could essentially like horror offers filmmakers a lot of shortcuts when it comes to getting reactions out of people. So, you know, you, if you just show someone getting murdered or show some nudity or just show something, a monster on screen, you can get a immediate visceral reaction out of audiences as opposed to, and this is, you know, this is speaking very broadly, of course, Versus a movie that takes its time to get an emotional reaction out of you because you become invested in character or because you've invested in a romance and then they break up or one of them dies or something, you know, like as it you you can accomplish what some filmmakers take 30 to 40 minutes to do. You can accomplish that in 30 seconds by having a, you mm-hmm. know, a, a dinosaur or a dragon come out and eat somebody. You know, I think that that attitude has changed over time just because that's how time works, but also because. I think film criticism over time has become filled with more and more of people who like horror movies, uh, went to film school and, and grew up watching, you know, horror movies. They grew up, they fell in love with the movies because they got a lot of cheap VHS tapes from the local video store or because their parents took them to movies every weekend or something. That said, there is still some of that where there are some people who will argue that the quote unquote shortcuts of the horror genre are virtues onto the genre itself, where, Horror is presenting people with something that you can't get in other movies where I, rather than watching, you know, a slow melodrama or a period piece, I want to watch a guy fight aliens or I want to watch someone with a machete or a chainsaw just mow through people. And that's kind of part of what makes movies interesting is because you can do all these bizarre, weird things that you can't do in other genres or mediums, really. Like as much as I can read a lot of horrific horror novels, there's nothing quite matches just the awe-inspiring nature of watching ash on screen fighting deadites you know yeah so with halloween kills the interesting thing is because the original um well the first in the series of gordon green films was very well received by critics it got really good reviews audiences loved it so it seemed like everyone was on the same page then halloween kills makes so many bizarre creative decisions that really divided the audience and so there's a small faction of people there saying this isn't even the worst movie in the halloween franchise people need to calm down it's a fun little slasher who cares yeah it's dumb but we're totally okay with that uh, but the two main points that divide audiences i am assuming because i try not to read i didn't read any reviews for this one i didn't watch any videos because i wanted to have my own feelings on the movie because there are two main creative decisions uh, there's three main there are four main creative decisions this movie makes <laughs> there are <that> five <laughs> <laughs> there are several several small ones which add up to two the first is laurie strode from the get-go is sidelined she understandably after the events of the first one of these she gets taken to the hospital and she's you know put up in the hospital because she's feeling all beat up and stabbed by michael myers and so she's out of the movie and so the person who essentially takes kind of the main hero role is tommy doyle who is trying to get a band together to go fight michael myers as i mentioned there's an escape mental patient and then that doesn't become a factor for a while and so then they go off to try and kill michael myers 
Michael Myers then kills Loomis's assistant from the first movie. He kills a kid. He we get introduced to this couple dressed like a nurse and a doctor, and you think they're gonna be in the movie for a while, and they're actually killed like twenty minutes of the and movie. They're gone pretty quick. One of the kills is Michael kicks a door open and it hits a gun and it just spins around like in uh, equilibrium and shoots her in the face. And it is so stupid. Yeah, it's but one it, of those but it's kind of amazing. <laughs> it's rake stepping. Yeah. yeah. It that got some good <laughs> chuckles because it's just so like I think I think every slasher horror movie when it's embraced the genre deserves one kill that's like the everyone throws their hands up and goes, come on. Like <laughs> I, I feel like so like I because I reacted to that. I was like, ah, like come on, you <laughs> had the upper hand. You would have got him. And did then, Michael know that was what my thing is like, did he plan that? No, he- I it looked like it looked like he just turned around or was like moving and then the door just hits her. So it was a complete <laughs> incidental thing. I didn't get that far in my rewatch I was doing before recording, but um but it looked like in the theaters, it looked more like Michael was not intending at all. It was a it was a total like you should have like walked over, turned his left and right, and then just slowly stabbed her once and then walked away. Like, okay, just be careful. Or you could have just looked into the camera and shrugged, like I'm a klutz. Then you should turn the camera and just like, and this is why I feel like we should have stricter background checks if we're gun safety like <laughs> yeah, gun see safety. how dangerous they are you know yeah i had so yeah so there's that whole thing but then the whole escape mental patient thing comes back and <sighs> okay so just it so, is it is bold and daring <laughs> what they is, did so there's a whole thing because nobody cares about this people who watch halloween movies who are just general audience fans probably will not care about all this stuff um teenagers who are teenagers will think it's really deep and meaningful and it'll be i think halloween kills will join the ranks of donnie darko and other movies unfortunately though donnie darko deserves to be there i do not think it will get this level of praise among the edgy teen i think it will i think it will i think i will be shocked edgy nonsense teens who will who will think that and three years later go i'm embarrassed that i did that because it 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 has the facade of having meaning but it has no meaning. <laughs> it has no meaning. <laughs> there's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of little things the movie does, but I'll focus on two soapbox moments. So the movie's doing this thing where it's trying to talk about like, well, the mob mentality. It's not just that, it's it's Tommy Doyle has a speech. I just heard it. It's it's he has a speech where he's saying, like, we will not succumb to fear. Like fear it's it's the dune thing fear is the mind killer oh my gosh i can't believe these movies were made <laughs> these movies were made to get married together they should have released on the same weekend um and halloween kills would probably still kill it in the box office but there's a whole thing where it's basically fear fear is bad okay and you kind of run with that and you know where the movie's going the second it sets it up uh, you know exactly what's going to happen. What happens, Daniel? Well, I don't think I don't think people know exactly where it's going. But uh, as far as the way the movie the way the movie ends, I called it a mile a mile away, dude. Uh, I was wor- I should say I was worried. I was worried it would end this way. Oh, you were worried. You were like, no way is it going to do it. Twenty eighteen proved me that the that David Gordon Green can be trusted. <laughs> no way it's going to go that direction. So kind of. So yeah, he's doing this. He's like, fear dies to evil dies tonight. We're going to finally kill Michael Myers. And then the escape mental patient 
I th- think it's because early in the movie he was in a car accident. So that's why he goes to the hospital. But he just sort of ends up the hospital everyone's at because everyone's there because Michael's been stabbing people. So everyone just is ending up the hospital. Which is a good, an interesting idea. I kind of like that. I like that setup. There's a lot of things I like about this movie. Well, there's there's a lot of interesting setups. Like, So if it had been a thing where they all end up at the hospital, so then you have a central location for Michael to just start murdering people in. And then they, they try and barricade themselves in rooms, try and make like – uh, MacGyver together traps and stuff out of hospital equipment. And then th- you could have the Laurie Strode standoff because they're all at the hospital. So when Michael goes back to his house and realizes that no one's home, he realizes everyone in town has gone to this one location. That's all the setup right there to have a good final third act for your movie where you have basically a giant murder fun house. Like imagine all the kills Michael Myers could do in a hospital setting. Imagine all the ways people could fight him. In but isn't that just what Halloween twos turns into? Yes. Which is why it works as like a homage. I would have been like, but that would have given me force awaken vibes of like, you're just half imitating. Well, force awakens was completely imitating episode four, but like you, I don't know. I, I would have been like, that's, we have an episode where we talk about reboots and stuff. And I would have not liked that. You think that's worse than what they did. I didn't care for what they did at all. <laughs> I so I think this movie, I don't think it's brilliant, but I think like so you were talking about the scene in the beginning where you see this family get horrifically murdered and then it jump cuts to a guy doing a ventriloquist act. For me, I like the juxtaposition of while this murder is happening, normal life is taking place elsewhere to the point that it's a ridiculous normal life. Kind of like in Mandy when Nicolas Cage comes in after his wife is killed or girlfriend and the Cheddar Goblin commercial is playing where horrible things can happen and life goes on. It's almost like it's a it's a really nihilistic depiction of of human life and the things that happen to you that terrible things can happen and nobody cares and nobody's thinking about it and stuff like that. And so I I I think because of stuff like that before this scene happens i was okay with what happens but i'm not saying i like it because the entire scene i'm like we got to get out of here man we got to get back to michael or we got to get back to laurie because this is nobody's going to care about this at all and i was right because i went on letterbox and nobody cares about it or it's getting vehemently frustrating reactions out of people which i'm sure for you it's like this is dumb. I cannot stand that this is in here. And like you said, it was like you hoped it didn't go this way, which I guess we're really yeah. just pulling everyone's chain. We should just say what happens. But So D- Doyle's thing, my issue with what he's saying is that he's not saying anything. He's just saying sort of general things about fear. Platitudes. Which, which is, okay, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> like, Storm the Capitol, hang Mike Pence type stuff. Yeah basically um it's like oh we just gotta go kill we gotta go kill michael myers we gotta do it i mean this is one of those movies that evokes something that obviously they couldn't predict would happen but then basically happened on january 6th of this year where just a bunch of crazies did something terrible because they were believing something completely irrational which tommy doyle and an entire group of people in a hospital do Uh, i I think that clicked with me because of that stuff. I even put it in my review in Letterbox that it feels more like an incidental success, but I think people are so tired of all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Am I am I alone in this or am I talking crazy? Are you thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's talking about January 6th again on Cinematic Doctrine podcast about Halloween kills? But you are you are the first person I've seen 
make any sort of political illusions as far as Halloween kills goes. Really? Because when I watched this, I I suspected like there are movies that come out that sort of like line up with stuff with accidental. The most easy one to talk about is uh, Winter Soldier because it has all this drone slash algorithm slash all that stuff goes on. And then like I think like (laughs) two weeks before that, there was a newspaper breaking a bunch of stories about uh obama and drone strikes going horribly wrong and stuff like that and there was a lot of critic reception that was positive about winter soldier because they were making a lot of comparisons of like wow i'm connecting with this because of x and x being that and so i guess maybe i'm just under a rock and everyone listening to the podcast is opening up the the review section to give us a one star and saying melvin's a crackpot and doesn't know what he's talking about but like really like no one else is talking like that's sort of what this felt like within the hospital scene because that's what it felt like to I me. I mean, the the, ang- the angry mob is a kind of a pretty common trope as far as horror movies go. So sure, I don't think it would stand out particularly. Yeah. Okay. Totally fair. Totally valid. <laughs> For me, it was that combined with Laurie Strode slash Jamie Lee Curtis producing this movie so she can do a soapbox scene in a in a series that's just supposed to be about a man killing people. It's not that deep. Um, felt like that's kind of what it was going into, which I'm not saying I'm into. I'm just saying it, it, that's what it felt like a lot. But uh, ag- again, I keep cutting you off, and we just need to explain <laughs> what the heck happens because it's as ridiculous as as this as it is. Yeah. So, so yeah. So he's he's doing this whole thing about like we have to just we have to kill this Michael Myers guy. He's been a problem for a while, and. There's like there's one the police chief from the first movie's there and he's like this is ridiculous <laughs> everybody needs to calm down and the old cop who's reprising his role from the original Halloween film is like basically like yeah it's time to kill Michael Myers you know he's waiting thirty years for this to happen so <laughs> uh, forty years actually probably and so er- everyone's getting all worked up and wouldn't you know it the escape the other escape mental patient shows up and he's like help me I'm bleeding and everyone's like oh my god it's michael myers <laughs> it's michael myers <laughs> it doesn't matter that he's a foot shorter looks injured people are still getting murdered elsewhere but everyone just is so caught up in the mob mentality they start chasing this guy around the hospital and judy greer feels bad because she obviously knows this is a michael myers and it's an r- insane ridiculous sequence mostly first off there's a lot of people in this hospital like a comically large number of people at this hospital and they're chasing this poor yeah. guy around judy greer cries to help him and she like locks him in this one hallway but they start breaking the the glass and the windows laurie strode takes one look at him and goes that's not michael and like tommy doyle knows it's not michael and everyone but it's too but late it's too late so the guillotine all, has been set yeah, up yeah <laughs> so this guy's fate is sealed he walks out on a window ledge and jumps to his death from really high up and he horrifically splatters on the ground like his arm like blows off his body when he lands and the police chief would one look at him and goes this isn't michael and everyone's like oh <laughs> man and then the movie just continues you know it just keeps going yeah the, yeah the kirby enthusiasm theme plays it's it's insane like it's one of those things where on paper i can see what they're trying to go for but like in the middle of this movie it's out of place it is way too dark it is way like, we've just watched Michael Myers kill people. There are people complaining that, oh, no, Michael Myers is homophobic now. Like, there is a lot <laughs> I did see that this that. movie I did does. See that. There is a lot this movie pushes, but this is, like, way beyond. First off, this takes up, like, 
a good chunk of the movie. Way too much it's of the movie. It's a lot. It's about 15 minutes. It could This movie could have been an hour and a half, but it was an hour and 45 because they decided, I want to keep this in. They did not need to keep it in. More than that, like, it's in theory, this is the payoff to the ongoing plot about Tommy Doyle trying to get a posse together to kill Michael Myers in a lot of ways. This is... Like, because they're playing the seeds that because there's an initial scene where he drives the car away and was like, that was Michael. And so everyone's getting riled up. So you're playing the seeds of like this angry mob is going to do something stupid. That's the running thing. They're building this tension. They're leading you along. And this is the payoff. And I'm just left wondering, what are they trying to say? Angry mobs are bad. Great. Like, I don't know why that's in the middle of a Halloween movie. Like, what what point are you trying to what point are you trying to make in light of the existence of Michael Myers? This is not an unreasonable thing for the audience for the audience slash people in the movie to feel. If a guy was walking around stabbing people, he's killed like 20 people just in this movie. Like, yeah, I'd be pretty upset too. (laughs) So like and later it learns they are more than justified in wanting to stop this thing because it turns out it's way worse than they thought it was, you know? So it's just like, what are you trying to say? Like that Michael Myers and fear itself spurns people to action. That if we don't do something about fear, it makes us do crazy things, I suppose. But like, it, it doesn't make sense. But everybody who, everybody in the movie who, who, um, suppresses their fear to stand up to michael dies so yes. it's like uh, so what's the solution so I don't know, maybe presenting? fear is rational <laughs> like everybody the police officer or i'm sorry the the fireman with the hose who doesn't <laughs> shoot the fire hose in his face but just at his chest first one to die <laughs> well not but, he's like the third yeah, but like still like i think fear is rational when michael myers is around fear like, is very rational if you're in a house and a guy's trying to murder you yeah it, this comic you're talking about where it's like a guy who can't die murders people all right well we just need to have a drone follow him around and uh if he's in your vicinity go go live with your grandmother for a bit like i think i think that's just what hadfield's gotta do like <laughs> like the the airbnbs come live in a hotel where you might get killed by michael myers <laughs> it's just like crazy they need to attach like one of those tracker things for like a deer on him and just be like yeah, okay like- he would he would just take it he would, it would, someone would, it would shoot him from a distance. He would kind of stumble, keep walking. He probably wouldn't take it out. Why not? Like a narwhal, put it on his ear. Yeah. So the, I love the idea of like Michael Myers is more than just a physical problem. There is a spiritual, deeper problem where he's, he's, his, the fear he's instilled in people is causing them to go crazy. And this is the real effect of Michael Myers. Look what he's making us do to one another. But then everyone immediately kind of gets over it. Like they just, as soon as you realize like, oh, we killed the wrong guy. Everyone just kind of snaps out of it. <laughs> and so that, that kind of ends. But also like the problem, the, the real problem with this is they don't even expand on this idea at all. Because later, as you, you've you repeatedly like referenced that there's a soapbox mode at the end of the movie. One of the main points she makes is we can't, we can't pretend it's not there. That's when it gets us. And it's like, when was everyone doing that? Like the whole point of the, like the whole well, thing that, is. That's that, why I think it's in tandem these movies are together because like i think i think this movie is not brilliantly complicated i think it's more just frustratingly complicated because i think i think i really think the way these movies are supposed to be watched is back to back i remember going to the theater and thinking like not just because i was a minute late which now it turns out i was totally fine i came in over the time right time but like I was sort of confused because I didn't recognize characters and it turns out, Oh, it's just the exact same people from the last one. 
And we're, we're not just like, it's not set years later where you're getting in, reintroduced to characters. It's almost just like, here are the same people again and new characters are introduced, but like the same characters are just there. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I think, I think the movies, that's why I think Halloween ends is maybe potentially, oh man, I, we need to make a bet right now and I'm going to lose it. So you better ask for a lot of money because uh, I know I'm going <laughs> to lose, but I think it's going to be a case where the the next movie continues what she's talking about and maybe even refutes it where it's like, uh, but, I, but also I don't know what it's talking about either, I, but I just don't, I want to make sense of it. I don't know. I just like this movie a lot at the same time. I don't like it at all. I don't know. It's really frustrating. I gave it a seven out of 10, but I don't know what to think. It's just this movie's because it's bonafide bad, but it's also like fun and good. Yeah. And it gets worse. It gets worse from what we're talking about. This is not, for me, the the ending is somewhat worse, but it's also like I had a good time. I don't know what to think. It's, it's like what is this is? It's been a recurrent theme. I talked about it in the earnest episode, and you and I talked about it in another episode. Where when you get in the when you're a movie when you like life, you like movies, so you just watch movies, whatever. Okay, but then you get into movies, <laughs> so you so start far. to get into. <laughs> this is where we're at. This is what we're doing, man. Uh, when you start to get into movies, you start getting into deep cut stuff, and you're like, "Oh, Nolan, I don't watch Nolan. I watch Lynch. You don't watch Lynch? What kind of guy I are watch you?" Tarkovsky, you know? Yeah, or like stuff like that. Rashomon's my favorite movie. Like that's what you start getting into. You start talking about movies nobody watches. You get really lonely, and then you have no friends. But then. Like a cocoon, you come out of that and you just start to just enjoy whatever is happening because it's just a magical place and you like life outside of movies and you like life inside of movies because it's not your identity and who cares? You're just here to have a good time. And like Halloween Kills for me so far this year is like that movie where it's just like, golly, I'm going to be the one guy on this planet who had a good time. I Even as the movie was going, I was like, I want to come to the movies again. I want to see it again. I want to see it again this weekend. So I catch it with another group of people so I get to enjoy their experience. But then like, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. This whole scene we're talking about borders on offensive. I'm trying so hard to empathize with your point of view right now, Melvin. I'm, I'm trying so hard to be sympathetic to what Did you saying. see it in theaters or did you watch it at home? I watched it at home with uh, with my wife and because no, no way that we were going to buy a ticket even though I get the one free one because of the AMC thing. Like, right, but it's like you weren't going to pay 12 bucks even for one no, of you going to see no. it. But like, I had seen people's reactions online and I saw what people were saying and i just knew that like i was like if i pay money to see this i'm gonna regret is it universal though that everybody likes big john and little john because even my coworker, because yes. i i went out oh, yeah. i went home that's awesome that stuff's great i was at my shift and my coworker goes i'm seeing it tonight i'm like me too and he's like where are you seeing it i'm like different theater he's like oh bummer we'll talk tomorrow and then we talk tomorrow and he's like who was what's your favorite part i was like big john little john <laughs> and he's like yeah me too and then we worked and that was it but I don't know. I had a good time. I like movies. If if it sounds like this is a little disjointed, it's because there's so many <laughs> sub movies. That's a, one of the main problems of the movie is that all the stuff we talked about with the escape mental patient doesn't connect to the rest of the movie. It it doesn't connect. It's all in the same movie. <laughs> 
we've all we have not talked this is not a mini series <laughs> we, we are not talking about halloween 2018 and halloween kills we're still just talking about halloween kills <laughs> like it's just it, so much happens, but it's so efficient so in, in the just, movie that actually has michael myers in it portion of halloween kills Michael uh, Myers is just going house to house murdering people. That's all he's and there's doing. Peep, there's these and, two. So we keep talking about Big Little John. Well, Little John. So let me, let me set it up. It's yeah, just like, you got to do he's, it. He's going <laughs> from location to location. He's, it's it's he's basically going, an anthology movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little mini series within the movie where you see these little different yeah. vignettes and different people he's killing. And he's going back to the original house, the first movie. Which we initially were introduced to Big John and Little John, where Big John, it's a it's it's a gay couple who for some reason I don't know if it's just nicknames or if they're both named John, so they just yeah, the only way to differentiate both, each other no, the, is the, like say the first name big, the last name John. <laughs> Legal Christian names are big name Big John and Little John. <laughs> and Big John is looking at he's eating uh obscure honey like from like a charcuterie <laughs> yeah, board yeah. and then yeah. little john is played by matthew michael mcdonald from mad tv and this, that is it's how i differentiate it you know and they're having a good time there's trick-or-treaters that come along and they're like do you know whose house this is? this is the house that michael mars is in they scare the kids away and they go ah ha 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 and they go back inside and that's the first scene with them <laughs> the movie just moves on and you're like i assume they'll be back it's again like, i guess we'll come back and watch them die later i know like, it's so sad and i will works. say one one thing this movie does effectively is it actually makes you very quickly like the different characters introduced like yeah the first, i like everybody the first, yeah the first couple that michael kills they're like a very charming uh older couple where they both seem to be played by uh veteran character actors who i both recognize i recognize both of them but i couldn't place their names those types of actors and big john and little john are instantly likable partially yeah. because they seem to like each other and they seem to be normal people like the rest of the movie is filled with like weirdos who are just like irrationally running around screaming. Laurie about Strode, who's just like home alone, PTSD, trauma. Judy yeah. Greer, say goodbye to these over there. And you had to get one in. I had to get one in with Judy Greer in here. Um, yes. And then uh, <laughs> Daniel nods his head. Okay. This is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, everyone's sort of a comic uh, Hollywood character. And then all of these side characters are just normal people. Which I really, really, really like. Well, like, <laughs> I, if you had told me that more of the cast was supposed to be escape mental patients, I'd believe you because everyone's just running around screaming like, "We have to kill Michael! We have to kill evil itself!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's just Big John, Little John, being like, "I'm sick of these trick or treaters," you know. And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I like these people." And so there's they're just enjoying hanging out, eating weird honey, and then Michael Myers just starts. He, he does the Michael Myers thing where. They hear a noise, they go, the back door is open, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason, they lock they themselves don't leave. in the house. They, they're like, yeah, it's a Rorschach <laughs> moment. Like, Michael Myers is stuck in here with us. We knew this was coming because we bought Michael Myers' house. It was $100,000 cheaper than all the other houses on the street. The Zillow listing said what it said. <laughs> it's like buying a house on Elm Street. It's going to be cheaper. <laughs> it's just like... You know, it came with utilities. <laughs> and they're like, we knew this day would come. We're ready for it. <laughs> so they lock the door and Big John grabs a small knife from the security board. Says, I'm using this <laughs> yeah, a knife. A really tiny butter knife <laughs> used for cutting cheese. And, and stuff. little John grabs a big knife and goes, I'm grabbing this knife. And that's their actual dialogue. <laughs> I'm not making that up. It's an awesome scene. And then they start moving around the house 
playing Marco Polo by going Big John, but with their names, Little John, <laughs> Big John. It's great. Little it's John. awesome, man. It's so- I love it so much. You you realize you realize that this is directed by the same guy who did Pineapple Express. Yes. So it's like, it's there. The comedy's here. It becomes him. This is someone who's friends with Seth Rogen. (laughs) I'm shocked. Hey, Seth Seth Rogen, I got this script. Can you you edit this real quick? (laughs) Yeah, let me add these characters, Big John and Little John. (laughs) And that's how you got the joint in the movie. It's because Seth Rogen was working on it. But yeah, Yeah, Donkey Kong wrote the script. So uh, (laughs) it's... It's the best thing in the movie. Like my wife and I, since then, I've been like Big John, Little John, you know. It's and great. Unfortunately, they both die. I suspect. <laughs> Big John yeah. gets the horrific, like stabbed under the arm into the artery thing. Oh, and then it's just gross, Little John yeah. shows up and goes, Michael. You finally come home. Like he just knew this was happening. There are so many great funny lines in the beginning. Jim Cummings is like Haddonfield. The worst place. And Michael comes out, stabs him right in the freaking <laughs> face. And it's just like the uh, the little kid when he sees, who who was it? Who was it? And he looks into the camera, the boogeyman. And it's just there's line after line of stuff like this. Shakespearean, really. And- there's like in, in the top 20 reviews on Letterboxd, not, not many of them break five out of 10. And only one of them goes like eight. And it's just somebody going, so campy, so campy. And it's like. <laughs> It's it's there. The camp is there. That's you. You it's okay. You can admit that was you, Belfin. No, it wasn't me. I'm not in the top twenty. But <laughs> I my first sentence though is you're gonna find embarrassing is it was what a glow up. I thought this movie was way better. Oh than my the last gosh, one, dude! <laughs> the... I thought it was way better. It was way more fun. It was way more ridiculous. This is, this is your Armand White moment. It's just. <laughs> Yeah. Transformers is a brilliant set, uh, commentary <laughs> on consumerism. Consumerism. Because so. all it takes is putting women on cars and you can sell it. Yeah, that's Transformers. Yeah. No, but I thought yeah. this was a blast, Michael, dude. you finally come home. And then he kills them <laughs> and pose, he poses them like their like, engagement photo. Like, Michael, this is why people say Michael Myers is homophobic. Not just because he horrifically murders this gay couple, but because he seems to really specifically like killing the them because they're gay like he poses them based on their on their photo he puts the record on like he's playing their song it seems very pointed michael myers is canceled like so, yeah you know. michael myers yeah yeah halloween ends never coming out sorry jason blum it's not happening i think it's always funny when people oh well i, I know that they're i i 100% believe that whoever's writing those articles, I saw a lot of them that was like, Michael Myers is homophobic. They, they're writing it tongue-in-cheek. They know that people are going to be like, oh, no, you don't like him? He murders all these kids. You know, like, okay, yeah. Those are people who already knew that Facebook promoted arguing and the downfall of society. So they're just taking advantage of it, man. Get that bag. Journalist, you're not getting paid much for content writing. I know what it's like. <laughs> well, so get that bag. There, there is there is one person who online who was like, yo, Michael Myers doesn't like gay people based or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was included in that article. And I was like, you know that guy is just like trolling, right? <laughs> like he, uh, I don't know. This is this is journalism now. So the, the movie peaks <laughs> around that the point we're talking about. And then yeah. then in the movie. And then so, after Big John, Little John, I think is when the hospital stuff happens. Then it gets real bad. So and it's I, weird. And then yeah. I guess we should talk about the ending when they finally, when they finally try and kill Michael Myers and nobody runs him over. 
I just need to <laughs> just got to talk about that. Nobody runs him over. That's so funny. I, uh, car, my, my wife mentioned that as well. She was just like, why didn't they just hit him with a car? That's what I thought was going to happen. Okay. This is what happens. We'll, we'll talk about what happens in between, I guess, before this, but I have to talk about this now. Judy Greer takes his mask. It's the scene in the trailer runs away and you're thinking oh brilliant they're gonna have him run into the road and someone's gonna run him over <laughs> or they're gonna have machine guns and just gun him down you know like but wh- then like this is the u.s the u.s of a why does no one have a gun i don't get it i mean i guess it's cooler but like someone's gotta own a gun it's not canada man like well the cops are there why don't the cops- nation that only has mass shootings ask question why does this happen here it is like why <laughs> do we not have a gun on the premises, but I guess you don't want to risk Michael Myers getting a gun, but I'm pretty sure he wouldn't use one because he's anti-gun, right? He he used it to stab that person, remember? Or he just takes a shotgun and stabs them in like the chest, right? Did he do that? Is, I don't the, Is that a Michael Myers kill or a Jason Voorhees kill? Am I getting my kills mixed up? I don't know which one that is. Someone tweet tweet at me the scene where Michael Myers kills someone with a shotgun. Is this in Halloween Kills? I don't It's in one of the older Halloween films. Where like he gets a gun, he just stabs someone with it. Okay, so I've only seen the original and then these two. Really? I've seen, I've almost finished the Nightmare movies. Kat and I have New Nightmare to watch. And then, of course, I want to watch the the not-so-good one made in 2010. And Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, and then I've seen one through eight of Friday the 13th. Eventually, I'll watch the rest of those. And then, yeah, Halloween. Haven't watched enough of those. I've even seen Hellraiser one through three. And I do not like two or three. So yeah, here you are, the Halloween kills apologist. Just I don't know. <laughs> hey, look, we all f- film God storytelling. Made us all unique. <laughs> we all just enjoy different things. I had a blast with this one. It was it was a good good time. I like that you will we'll be like, this was so stupid, and then we'll repeat that. I'm like, wow, but this movie was so fun, and then just go on to the next thing in the movie that we're just like, ah, oh, it was bad too. <laughs> That's why when we were talking brief spoilers, I was like. Keep in mind, I enjoy this. It's fun. I whatever. But when you hear me in the spoiler talk, I'm going to agree with everything Daniel says. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but I still had a good time. I don't know. I th- I I'm going to call it though. These movies, ten years from now, there will be articles saying why they're not that bad, as they do with every movie. But with this one by serious <laughs> yeah. authors, real yeah, real. Uh the fortune teller moment yeah, <laughs> like right. just like i i believe this movie reprised in the future you know? but i'm talking actual critics not, not screen rate critics um as i yeah. say for as a podcaster with my own wordpress website as if i'm a real <laughs> critic but like not real critics like <laughs> us random guys yeah, yeah. on spotify um, listening to <laughs> i i really do think like after halloween ends comes out i think people will be talking about this trilogy um with of a, a lot of more positivity especially the second one um i think it'll be called the black sheep of the trilogy probably i don't know i i liked it and i got it and i connect with it in that sense of like i'm not saying i had a spiritual experience um people are like melvin you didn't have a spiritual experience watching the chosen but you had a spiritual experience watching all we kills sitting next to somebody who's going ah gross when an eyeball (laughs) drips out of someone's face yes you say with no fear yeah but like I I don't know. It was a good time, and uh, <laughs> keep, just keep repeating yourself. It's just a movie. It's a good time. It's just, it's just... <laughs> like, what do you want from me? I just want to watch movies and have a good time. This is where this is where I'm glad we're not a bigger like show because then I could see like <laughs> like imagine if this was like a podcast of a million viewers. I could see like the article being like 
Melvin of Cinematic Doctrine claims <laughs> Halloween trilogy going to be, quote, total idiot. Just like Godfather trilogy. <laughs> like homophobic you know? Michael Myers, of course. Halloween Kills is the Godfather part two of horror, says Melvin. Um, <laughs> Uh, what's that Michael uh, Scott thing? It's uh, it's the perfect trilogy, just like The Godfather. Ended just right. Everything wraps up. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> That's me with Halloween, Halloween, and Halloween Kills. <laughs> I loved it. Wraps it up. Perfect. Look at him. He's looking at himself in the reflection. So just so we can finally end this episode, uh, there's a whole subplot with the Strode youngest one where she runs off with the mob. And then runs back to the hospital at some point, and she goes back to the mob. I don't know. And so she goes to the house where Big John and Little John are sadly been Victor's assed, and they're posed, and they're dead. And the, the boy, a boy she likes, who I don't remember this character. I don't know if Viciously up, murdered. He gets okay. So this is where you really murdered. see Michael's like mean streak. He like shoves his head through a banister. And he like keeps like moving his head around to like crack his neck. And he's just decided this banister will kill him, even if like, it's going to be really hard. You know, he's laying there with his head over, like Ugh, as Michael's walking down the stairs. Looks <laughs> She's over, just like Strode. stop it, Michael! No, and you're like, oh my god, you're gosh, so this reasonable. Is the worst. You know? <laughs> and he just turns over and just finish kills him and walks over. And then there's the whole thing with Judy Greer the mask, and so the the town they lure him to a secluded street where all of the townspeople are there with if in a video game where you need like henchmen to beat up it ha- they have those weapons they have chains and it is literally bats. It one is guy with peg, a pistol penguins, yeah penguins lair from uh arkham city yes <laughs> it's literally they, that. there's a guy cracked his knuckles in the background probably <laughs> you know meanwhile at the hospital Lori Schrode is cutting a promo. She's going, doing a little soliloquy about the nature of fear and Michael Myers. And uh, do you remember what she says? <laughs> it, it's, it's stupid. It's platitudes. It's a bunch of gobbledygook. It is the exact opposite of what Over the Garden Wall says about fear. <laughs> it is everything that is the exact opposite of that, where she sort of talks about like fear is, uh, I don't know. I, I can't even try. I'm not going to even try and lie. Okay, so it's I'll give just, it a shot. It's bad. But basically, she's talking about Michael Myers is more than a man. He's our fear. He is the fear we feel where we try and pretend it's not there, but really is there. She is the film critic. It works to say all that as a film critic talking about a movie in the real world, but it doesn't work in the movie. So they have stabbed and beaten Michael. They've shot him point blank at the back of the head. And you think he's dead. (laughs) It just it is everything I feared. I, I if you go back into our archives, listen to everything I've said about, about Halloween. He reenacts the ending of Modern Warfare 2 where he's got the knife and he throws it at somebody. It <laughs> yes, is, he does that, which admittedly is a cool exactly visual. That. But it's my whole thing is I don't like when they try to make Michael Myers supernatural. Michael Myers is a human being. He should you should be able to kill him. He granted he can be a little more durable he could be like the guy in just he Breathe, can be totally durable where yes. it's like he he could have been hit by a car and gotten up i would have i would have believed that because i think he's a human but he might not be not in the sense that he's supernatural confirmed but more in the sense that like if he got hit by a car i imagine he would just get back up and well, then still kill people in the car here's the fine line where you have an urban legend character, right? Where the urban legend about the guy with the hook, where they are human with a little bit of supernatural sprinkled on to give them a little bit of an edge to make them a little spooky. You're I'm talking okay, candy I'm man? okay. I'm okay with that. 
where no it's just like when you tell a scary story about the guy who lives in the house who they thought oh, he was sure, dead sure, and he sure. wasn't dead that kind of thing i'm i'm fine with that logic from michael myers but when i saw the trailer and they talk about it the more he kills the stronger he gets which is from this monologue i was like oh no are they going to make it where he is supernatural and then here we go as she's talking about you can't kill michael myers because he's fear incarnate or some such they even do a thing where tommy doyle is there and he stabs tommy doyle and tommy looks in his eyes and admittedly, I think it's a cool visual where you look and you just see the blacks of his eyes because the whole thing is when you look into his eyes, you just see nothing and emptiness, which is something he had in the original Halloween. I'm fine with right. that. But then he just hulks up and he just Jason Voorhees all of them. He kills all these townspeople because he's invincible, I guess now. And then he kills Judy Greer's character. It's it just it's just stupid. And then it's just it's so dumb. And I don't like it at all because Michael Myers is now just Jason Voorhees. I guess, and it's just dumb. And for those who, <laughs> and those who are Christians who are listening to our episode because they don't want to watch the movie, but they want to hear us talk about it, and don't know anything about Jason Voorhees, Jason Voorhees is a supernatural, basically resurrected super zombie after episode after part six because he dies in three, but he's still super powerful. <laughs> it's, Freddy, it's, it's dumb. Freddy is a dream guy, so he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Hellraiser, they're like. Sent by demons. Michael Myers is a man. And even before this scene happens, the whole mask off scene, the way they shot it, I thought was really cool. You see the back of his head, you know, not showing us his face because that would take away a lot. You see the back of his head or if it's a front facing shot, he's in the distance faded out. And it's to assert this idea of like, he is still just a man. And like, we've seen his face. Halloween one shows it. And you see Nick Castle's face and it works because the way he's acting and reacting makes him look funny and it kind of brings down and then ultimately elevates what makes him so scary is that he's a man. (laughs) Um, And I guess an admittedly very shy man because he wants to wear a mask when he kills people. It, it sets up that he's human and then he does this thing that's sort of like superhuman, but also look, nobody decided they were going to kill him by severing an artery beating him to a pulp literal pulp which i guess if you were going to kill evil you would do that running him over with a car specifically his head judy greer stabs him in his right shoulder not his head so look it's silly and it's stupid <laughs> but i like this movie and i just uh, i but, I just but <laughs> there I, it is. I, I turned on it so hard at the end and i was just <laughs> but like, it yeah it yeah. i I watched it going, this is dumb, and I'll watch the next one because that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. But it is it is a dumb ending. The last five minutes are very stupid. No, because that might include him having his mask off and and walking to the scene. I liked that. I thought that was interesting Uh, or well, it was cool because it was sort of like I was just it was cool. But yeah, then it just gets dumb. And then the movie ends, the credits roll. <laughs> That's it. So everyone's walking out and cinema scores right there. And they ask me and I say an A and I'm sure everyone else said F <laughs> or something worse. Um, but it it is what it is. When we finished talking about like without spoilers, I recommended it. You kind of soft, lightly, not semi-recommended, almost kind of. Um, but now after <laughs> spoilers, like regarding specifics of like why, like why do you choose your particular kind of recommendation so my feeling on this uh overall is i have the problem with movies that sometimes get caught up in themselves and overreach a little bit in a way that's endearing like there's a movie that i would like to briefly touch upon sort of in our recommendation section but i don't mind when a movie is ambitious and it tries to say something 
or tries to be something maybe it would have better been better suited not to be. With Halloween Kills, it really feels like they took a sip from the pretentious cup and were trying mm-hmm. to elevate the material in a way that I think took away from the overall experience where oh, yeah. they wanted to say something, but they weren't really sure what they wanted to say, even with the broad topics of like fear and darkness and all that stuff, which oh, yeah. usually are pretty easy to comment on, both because they're so universal in nature and you don't have to do a lot of work to lay the groundwork because everyone understands what being afraid is. Everyone understands fear as a broader idea more than and so the fact they could even hit that softball is to me distressing and there's just long such long stretches of the film that get caught up in this that it really hurts my overall enjoyment of it and then it even as just a tawdry visceral experience of just watching michael myers just horrifically murder people over and over again that's fun ish but it makes up such a small pie chart of the overall movie especially in a world where there's so many other Michael Myers experiences available to us that it's hard for me to, to even give it that soft pass. But mm-hmm. I also, at the same time, understand that in the pantheon of both horror films and specific Halloween films, this isn't the worst thing. There's good stretches of it. Like I said, I enjoyed the beginning of the film. I like some of the sequences with Michael Myers just stalking various characters that stuff is as strong as ever. So it just frustrates me when those elements that don't just work so well on their own are handled very well by the team on hand. It, the people writing and directing, like this whole project came together because Danny McBride and David Gordon Green are fans of the franchise and really wanted to do something with it. And their pitch was accepted. And the fact that John Carpenter is on board in the executive producer role, we, who knows to what extent he even has creative control but he is likes it enough for he's putting a stamp of approval on it which he doesn't always do granted so like the fact that there's all these easy elements for them that they could have that they handle so well already that they decided to just take their perfectly good product and just sh- and and shove it into this vat of just nonsense and what we get that comes out of the other end is just what this is is to me that's disappointing and it's frustrating in a way that I don't find charming I find it weird and I find it almost insulting that they, that they decided that this was the project to start doing these weird things with it. Mm -hmm. So if you're an undiscerning horror viewer, like if you just, as long as someone gets murdered, you're fine. If you've watched all of the other slasher movies that exist and you like all of them, if you're the type of person that liked both alien versus predator movies you know, if you've hung out at a comic book store or if you went to a local nerdy group of gathering of friends, which I have, you know these people who just like they just like science fiction movies or they yeah, just like so horror just movies. Check them out. It's a fun and time. So, yeah. You know, that's my friend when I asked him about like why he liked that <laughs> the Roland Emmerich Stargate movie, he said, eh, it came out when there weren't a lot of other sci fi movies out. So I liked it. And he so he that's owns cool. it on DVD and Blu ray, you know. So it's like, okay, like if you're that kind of viewer. I'm sure that everything I've said about Halloween Kills, about its pretension, about its completely mishandled themes and ideas about an extended sequence involving an unnamed escape mental patient, and the fact that Michael Myers ascends into being more than just a man at the end, none of that will likely dissuade you, then by all means, check it out. But everyone else, I don't recommend this at all, especially when we don't live in a time where we're limited to what horror movies we can watch. There's tons of these. Malignant just came out, and that's great. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good which, time. Which to 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 that is a movie that there's a lot of creativity on screen, and the stupidity 
is part of this this overall madman's vision. Yeah. That's totally different than this already works. We've already seen good Halloween movies. We know what they look like. There's no reason to just do this. It's so strange. And yeah, but obviously you have a different opinion on this. So yeah, I think I think it's fun. I had a really good time. <laughs> I think it's I think it's frustrating that it decides to go the route it does with the escaped patient just because that's so like if you were to just have a good time trying to put it on like i i i like the barometer of could i watch this with a couple friends um because i just like having people over and hanging out um and uh i don't i think this would be tough to watch with friends just because that stuff is so upsetting if you're not understanding that's stupid um, cause I thought it was stupid. So it wasn't super upsetting for me when I was watching it. Um, even when they just show like how, how messed up he is when he hits the ground, like all that, if you kind of just uh, like literally turn your brain off, cause that's basically what I did. I was like, okay, this is stupid. I know how it's going to end. And then right after that, we're going to get right back to the movie <laughs> as if it never happened. And that's exactly what happens. Which it kind of theoretically makes sense because it's like, it's still the same night. There would be so much you'd have to do. All the police officers have accepted that they're complicit in what took place. So it's like, except for basically the chief. And even at that point, what is he going to do? So I, but I'm not, I don't need to be a Halloween kills apologist. I understand that it's silly and stupid, but like it, I recommend it in the sense that it's like, look, it's on Peacock. You can already watch it. If you just do the premium, I think it's not, I think it's actually a, I don't know if it's premium $9 or if it's available for the $5 one might be premium, but it's very easy to watch it. You don't have to go out to the theaters to check it out. I think it'd be fun in theaters, although it's probably way past its window now of like going with a full group of people. So I guess, I don't know. I, I do recommend it because um, it's fun, but it's, it's complicated. The movie's stupid and silly. And then at times when it shines, it's really good. Big John, Little John forever. Watch that on YouTube at least. And uh, yeah, so it's, we got to get a spinoff where they lived or something. I don't know. There's probably artwork now, Big John, Little John and and Michael Myers hanging out, watching TV, watching that movie that uh, Big John wanted to watch, but whatever. What do you got for recommendations, Dan? <laughs> for recommendations, I'm going to recommend FF Bruce's uh, commentary from the word biblical commentary set on first and second thessalonians yeah from the word uh, word biblical commentary set which is sort of infamous for being formatted in a way that even like seminary and phd students think is cumbersome however i found his exposition and explanation of language uh, particularly in the passage that i was speaking on which is uh first thessalonians 5 uh, to be very enlightening and i found his insights into the application uh where we were told to pray without ceasing and so forth to be uh, wonderful. I utilized it uh, this, whenever this is recording, it was last weekend. I preached at a church retreat and I found his commentary to be invaluable. Uh, the word bib set is highly regarded and occasionally expensive. However, just that volume, if you're just, I, I've said this before, but I recommend that you don't just get whole sets. You look at the different volumes, the different authors and writers, and from there you build your library. And I think F.F. Bruce, who is a well-regarded scholar, particularly when it comes to language, I think his first uh, and second Thessalonians volume is a great addition to any biblical library. Highly recommend it. I'm going to recommend The Last Broadcast, which we talked about in our last episode where I 
kind of semi-recommended it, but specifically only to Patreon supporters, I guess, because they heard that nobody else did. But um, Last Broadcast is one of my favorite movies. It is a found footage film uh, that will seem eerily similar to Blair Witch. That's because the guys who worked on both of those movies were friends and kind of knew each other and kind of helped each other out at times. Um, But they are still very different films, especially in how they're adapted. Blair Witch being a found footage film, herky-jerky, jumping around, stuff like that. Whereas the last broadcast is a mockumentary where a guy basically it's, if you're a true crime fan, you'll probably have a good time with it except for the last three minutes, which everyone complains about, including me for, for good reason, frankly, but I still, I still really love it. Um, And it's about this group, these two guys that used to run a public access program. They um, talk about like mysteries, myths, folklore, cryptids, stuff like that. Very low budget. Frankly, the film feels very uh, like predictive literature because a lot of the aesthetic of their show, when the guy's talking about it, it feels like a Tim and Eric skit. It's very funny. Um, And then these two, these guys decide they need to make it big. So what they're going to go is they're going to go out to the Pine Barrens. They're going to find the Jersey Devil and they're going to live stream it while they do it. This is all in the 90s, too. So it's got that low grade, low fi tech to it. Um, And then when they're out there, I think it's, it's what two guys die, one guy goes missing, and then the third show and the fourth one shows up and uh, he gets put in jail. So the whole film is a mockumentary because it's not real, uh, but it's about disproving um, the one guy who's blamed for the kills uh, from from having been the guy. Like, it was it actually him? It's it's awesome. The more I watch it, the more I think the first time I watch it, I did not like it. Um, and then like, I kept thinking about it and I kept thinking about what it does and how it's handled and just the execution of it. It's also like historical in terms of, um, film history because it's one of the first films to be like just made entirely digitally and then have to be shown in theaters with digital cameras or projectors. And so like they subsidize purchases for theaters to have it george lucas will say he's the one who started it with phantom menace it's not true it was actually these guys um although george lucas of course popularized it across the entire (laughs) spectrum of film it's a cool movie and i really like it and the more i think about it even right now i'm like oh man i'd love to watch it again this week so i might have to carve out some time so the last broadcast it actually just got a blu-ray release i think in the last two years so i'll have a link for that in the description what do you have for uh, a fun recommendation, Dan? As many of you know, I am a fan of cartoons, but I also like cartoons that are made for adults. And I want to give a qualified recommendation for a new show that just hit Netflix, or I should say, as of this recording, the first three episodes have been released. It's called Inside Job. It's an adult animated comedy. It is executive produced by Alex Hirsch, who many of you will recognize from uh, Gravity Falls and from being involved in the Owl House. However, Inside Job is decidedly uh, closer to, uh, let's say, like something like, I don't, I don't want to compare it to like Family Guy or something because I think Family Guy is terrible, but it's, it's, it's a bad comparison. It's closer to something like a Bob's Burgers or a Archer or something like that. Uh, the, and it is created by, so make sure I get this name right, Shion Takuchi. And the premise of Inside Job is it's a f- workplace sitcom set in the shadow deep state government that runs the world. And it exists in a world where all of the conspiracy theories are real. 
They control the stock market via like warlocks. There's aliens. There's a hollow earth. There's lizard people. The third episode <laughs> is a where they have to, the third episode is the characters have to go and go to a conference where they have to shake hands with the lizard people and make good on their deals and stuff. It's really cute and it's charming and funny. Uh, the lead character is a woman with perpetual bags under her eyes because she is always tired. It's heavily implied that she might have Asperger's and she just doesn't get along with anybody. So on the day of her promotion, she gets co-promoted with some guy that the boss met at a barbecue because he has a can-do attitude and a firm handshake. And so they have to work together. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) It's extremely funny. The only reason I give it a qualified recommendation is it is... You know, it has a similar sense of humor to other adult anime comedies. It's not really gratuitous or inappropriate or anything like that. There are a handful of jokes here or there that maybe uh, think that I might just want to throw up the qualifier that it is. It's not as offensive as something like Archer, for example. I brought up that on purpose because Archer is just so filthy and vulgar. Yes. But it's not as bad as that. So if. It, but it definitely is leans more towards the adult comedy where there are and i guess jokes. another qualifier is that it's the first three episodes so far because you don't know what's coming so next. who knows you, know, but... you know who knows what happens <laughs> in episodes four and five and so on uh but so far it occasionally gets a little gets a little risque but if you watch any sort of adult comedy you'll think i'm overreacting it's quaint in comparison it's not even as uh, offensive as bob's burgers is to be quite honest with you but i just thought out there it is a christian podcast and also like we just said it's only been three episodes who knows what happens in subsequent episodes it's it also holds its political beliefs very much on its sleeve it's never really overtly in your face but you could tell that the people what political beliefs people who write the show have but it's a great the voice cast is great clark duke is in it just uh christian slater plays the uh, main character reagan's uh dad who got kicked out of the organization for having a nervous breakdown uh so he's a crazy conspiracy theorist who is actually right uh the lead character is voiced by lizzie kaplan who just isn't a lot of comedic stuff you may remember her as the female lead in the interview and she's been a bunch of other stuff like party down she's great in it so inside job thanks so much for checking out this episode of cinematic doctrine if you enjoyed this episode consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast and as mentioned before cinematic doctrine has a patreon for as little as three dollars a month you're opted into a once a month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast there are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.